June is Audiobook Month. Join Viviana, the Enchantress of Books, and the Audiobook Lovin' series as she celebrates the authors and narrators who bring your favorite stories to life. Not only will this month be packed with exciting guest podcasts full of all things books, but stick around after each episode for some special information about this year's giveaway and more. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 9, Episode 12 of this year's Audiobook Loving Series. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with author Tracy Wolf. Thank you for being here, Tracy. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. And uh, I am doing very well. It's a, uh, it's a Monday. Yeah, right? <laughs> I, I know. I just heard about it. I don't know what day this comes out. <laughs> right. No, yeah. Well, it's technically, yeah, we record on all times of the, of the, of the month of before the event in June. But yeah, it's, it's a Monday, but it's a good Monday because I'm talking to you. So it's like awesome start to the week. And I'm excited to have you here as well. Why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been writing and how you got started? Oh, absolutely. So um, I am Tracy Wolf. And at the moment, the series that I have going on is called Crave. And it is a young adult vampire series, kind of part fantasy, part paranormal YA romance. And how long have I been writing? Uh, mm -hmm. My first book, I've been writing my whole life. I always say I, uh, I've been writing since I understood that letters made words and words made sentences that I could use to entertain people um, because that's pretty much the truth. I've just always, I, I think um, from the time I was around second grade or so, I've just always loved writing. My first book, however, came out in November of 2008. And that was a Harlequin romance. In 2009, I had my first single title come out from Penguin. And that was a super sexy, like erotic suspense kind of book. And since then, I've done, well, I'm writing my 72nd book right now. So wow. a bunch of them for a bunch of different things. And how did I get started? Was that part of the question? Yeah. <laughs> um, how did I get started? I am uh, beyond the like always wanting to write, you know, I then went, you know, my mom told me she wasn't going to support me when I was 40. So I had to have a real grown up job. And my, my family was big on tough love and, uh, <laughs> and calling it like they saw it. And uh, so anyway, she had uh, said that and I, I didn't want to go into business and I come from a long line of teachers and I absolutely love teaching actually. So I ended up getting my advanced degrees. I taught high school and junior high for a little while while I was doing that. Got married, had a family, finished up. And then my ex-husband's job moved us to Austin, Texas from San Diego. And I had to, um, the doctor had said I'd had a premature child. And he had told me that if I could get, take a year off, we would have a really good chance of letting his lungs heal. If mm -hmm. I could keep him out of daycare, keep him, I had a babysitter, but the babysitter had three kids. And so if I could keep him from getting sick for a year, we'd have a really good shot of a really giving his lungs a good chance because he just kept having lung problems after lung problem. And so that was kind of a no-brainer, right? If you could save right. your kids from years of misery by taking a year off. So that's what I did. And I um, I decided that I was going to write my first book during that time. So my first two books were written, thank God he was a napper. He would nap for two and a half hours every day. To nice. three hours, depending. He was nice. My first one didn't nap at all, but my second one napped and napped and napped. And uh, so every day I would like get him down, crawl out of his room literally because he liked me to be right next to him, and then run to my office and write for two and a half hours until he woke up. And that is how my first two books were written. 
And I was very lucky because they um, were both accepted for publication and it's kind of been a wild ride since then. I taught college for many years and then kind of stopped at the pandemic and haven't gone back. But yeah, that's how my writing started. Wow. Yeah, I wanted to be a teacher in high school, started with that whole career, then right after high school, got a job working at a school in the front office. And and I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> you know, um, I think it's, it's, it's either you love it or you, you know, or you mm-hmm. don't, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And it's, still, and it's still funny, the different ages, right? Because one of my, my college roommate is, was an early elementary ed major. And she is now an interventionist, but she taught kindergarten for many, many, many years. And I'd been in, you know, through the years I've been in her classroom, she's been in mine. And she is terrified of my students because the <laughs> youngest I ever taught was junior high. But I taught junior high, high school, and then college. Mm-hmm. And I would go into hers and I would be like, you want to sit on my lap? Sure, sit on my lap. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to learn anything today. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> we'll just sit here and play. So I think that I think that you find your calling too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, high school teachers do not want to be elementary school teachers. Yeah, elementary school teachers do not want to be high school or college teachers. Yeah, it, it's interesting though because <laughs> I I love the teaching, but it's just the whole politics of how it's no longer teaching anymore, right? Versus what it used to be, and and I, I kind of got into that working uh, at the schools in that cuff where things were shifting, where it was more about the teachers being more administrative assistants to the students and and having to do all these testings and and not really spending the time to teach the kids about Beowulf and and grammars and structures of sentences and stuff like that and cursive, which now none of these kids know. <laughs> so I'm like that's mm-hmm. true. That's true. None yeah. of my children. I uh, every time I watch my my children sign their names, I'm like seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah really like, what is this day and i'm like that's yeah that's that's cursive uh- <laughs> i'm like you'd be better off just crawling your the first letter and making a little like i don't know what yeah <laughs> like you know chicken scratch or something i think it would mm-hmm. be better yeah i scared my 20 year old uh when he started doing that signature i'm like are you trying to be a doctor because if you want to be a doctor by all means he's like yeah and i'm like well then you better prove your handwriting otherwise you're not going to have an excuse and uh, <laughs> it's gotten better it's gotten better <laughs> so you go from writing harlequins and penguin books and stuff like that that were they're erotica and so there's you know the there's a lot of more sex and themes and stuff and that kind of drives the story versus the romance and everything else but still you go from all this huge difference to ya how does that happen um i think when i asked i just gave a workshop on saturday talking about that um because i think that the premise of a romance, I, I write romance, I'm a romance writer, whether it's a young adult, whether it's sweet, whether it's sexy, whether it's erotica, whether it's paranormal, I write romance, right? And I think that in a lot of ways, it's the same, right? The workshop I gave was Seven Steps to Sizzling Sexual Tension. And whether you're writing a YA or whether you're writing an erotica, I mean, the the, the quote unquote payoff, right, is different. In the YA, it may just be a kiss. In the erotica, it's, it's obviously, you know, significantly more than that. But whatever it is, that that full-blown, whether it's a full-blown sex scene, the, the payoff, the sizzle of how to build the sexual tension and how to do the slow burn and how to, you know, make it so that whatever that payoff is, whether it is the kiss, right, in the, in the YA romance, or whether it is the closed door in a sweet contemporary, maybe, 
or whether it's it's more explicit than that, it doesn't matter because the things that you have to do to build that relationship are actually the same. You know, you need you need good chemistry. You need them thinking about each other when they're not around. There's like, you know, seven steps. But there's all these different things that go into it. But the idea, the anatomy of building a relationship is the same. I mean, is the is the relationship a little bit different when you're looking at at 17 year olds versus people who are definitely going to end up married, you know, or with their very grown up happily ever after? Yeah, of course. But at the same time, what it's like to fall in love is the same, right? All of the insecurities, all of the worries, all of the excitement, all of that is um is the same. So no, I don't think that it's it's that hard to uh to go back and forth actually. Okay. I mean, it makes total sense. And and when it comes down to as the story main body, you know, the bones of a good story, it's they're basically the same. And as you were saying, it depends on how far you go. Do you find it difficult to write some of these more intimate sexy scenes? I know some authors are like, they'll do the insert sex scene here or inserts, you know, other kind of, you know, tension scene there. Or do you write through the whole process? You know, that's really interesting because I mean, I'm one of those writers, I have to write in order. So I can't like skip around. I have a friend who can like write all the different scenes and then piece them together into a book. And I'm like, (laughs) that is so incredible because I would die if I had to do that. Like I would just like, I don't even know what I do. So it has to go in order. I will say that sometimes, you know, if you're writing a sex scene, sometimes it's, it's not working. Sometimes, you know, things are crazy in the house. I've got three kids, three dogs, you know? You know, and that doesn't always lend itself to like a super intimate, um, really, you know, growing intimate, not just, not just sexually, but in general, growing intimacy scenes with characters, you know, because there are other scenes in the book besides the romance that really grows intimacy or the sex scenes that really grow intimacy, right? So when I get to those scenes, if they're not working, I do my best. Like I like I put something down with the caveat and a note to myself, like I'm going to have to go back and I'm going to have to definitely you know go over this again and and get the nuance and and all of that that needs to be there so that the scene can do all the things that it needs to do mm-hmm. so yes and no I guess is my answer <laughs> <laughs> man that friend of yours my biggest fear of, of doing anything like that is accidentally getting something in the wrong order and submitting it I'm like no oh my gosh <laughs> I had this friend one time she was writing this book and it was like this really it was like the biggest book of her career and she I remember it was three days before she submitted it and she, she writes in um, Scrivener a lot. Right. And so anyway, she had printed, she had taken all of the scenes and she, I mean, she had a book, she had, she had everything, you know, but she literally laid out post-its. Like she said, okay, this scene is like, let's say the Apple scene or the, this thing or the whatever scene and laid them all out over her entire family room floor, moved all the furniture back. And literally three days before the book was due, she was sitting there and spent like two to three days just getting them all in the order that she wanted to do them in. And um, I was just like, that is insane. Because don't you then have to write all the transition scenes like yep. into it and out of it? And that's like my thing is I don't like, like the transitions come naturally, right? Scene and sequel. When you're writing in order, when you're writing separately, it's... um it's a very different thing. Right. And then you have to make sure that they all, they all flow together and, and they do all that. So, so there's that. Another funny story with that was uh, one time, same friend who writes in Scrivener turned in a book. And at one point her editor was like, this is great, but can you um go through and look at the chapter break? Because I think something's off. 
And she was like, what do you mean something's off with my chapter break? And she realized that she only had two chapters in the entire book. Oh my so she had just put, combined them all together and uh, and had not broken anything up. Wow. Yeah. So I guess that is the the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that, that, that would be my biggest fear is getting things in the yeah. wrong order or similar to her in that case about forgetting to add a, you know, chapter 10 page because, you know, that's important. It, it's breaks well, up the story. Thank God for editors, right? Thank God yes. for editors. Oh God knows. Yes, I the young some heroes. Uh, when it comes oh down gosh. to to the whole industry, is when you find someone, you hold on to them for dear life, and you don't let them go, which means you keep them happy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. I have an amazing editor. My editor um, for the Crave series is Liz Peltier over at um, Entangled. She's also the publisher, um, but she's my editor, and she is tough. I mean, she doesn't let me get away with anything. Yeah. And then, uh, it is good and bad because like I whine. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. Can't it just be like this? And she's like, no. Or uh, her favorite thing with me is like, well, how did this happen? And I'm like, okay, keep in mind. I write YA vampires, werewolves, witches, and dragons. Just keep that in mind. Yeah. And she's like, how did this happen? And I'm like, um, magic. And she's all, <laughs> no. no. I'm like, what do you mean? No. And she's like, no, oh, no. it didn't just have, you can't just magic this stuff up, Oof. Tracy. It needs to have like, some kind of basis in the world i'm like well i never said they couldn't do that magically she's like you never said they could (laughs) (laughs) nice try tracy (laughs) but she is worth her weight in platinum she's an Mm -hmm. amazing well i mean a lot of times when you guys are writing the stories you're so involved in the telling of it that little things like that in the moment for you as you're writing it doesn't seem like a big deal so you're like or i'll get to it later and then forgets right as yeah, the readers. You, forget, you forget, oh, I need to put that basis in. Or you just like, I want to do this. <laughs> okay, you want to do it. Let's come up with a reason why you want it, why it can be done. Yeah. I'm like, because I want to. She tells me I'm a brat. <laughs> She's not wrong. <laughs> it I is your to. story, right? It. It's your story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but those are those moments sometimes that as a reader or listener will bust out with how did that happen and then we're like lost or it's a bit of a plot twist because in this third book down the line there's a reference to it again and we're going but 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 oh okay so yes thank you to editors for oh yeah thank yeah. god like i said i can't even imagine what a mess the crave series would be if she was not there <laughs> catching me every step of the way yeah so i am a sucker for vampires shifters witches i mean basically pnr what made you decide to write in that subgenre of romance i think i've always loved it i've i've always you know my first choice when i sit down to read a book is probably a paranormal romance Mm -hmm. so from the time i was very young you know i've just always been been interested in them and all the vampire books and all the vampire movies and all of that. I was very reluctant to um to throw my hat into the vampire ring. I had written dragons in the past. I'd written mermaids and I'd written witches. So I have a series of each of those um, that I'd written in, in over over the more than decade of my career before I started the Grave series. But I was always very reluctant to do vampires because I feel when you do it, you're standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. And I'd always said... Though I love vampires, um, I would never do it unless I thought I had a new, like something different to say, you know, a, a more interesting take on it. Not a more interesting take, just a different take, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, a more interesting take than than doing what's already been done, right? And so anyway, my my editor, 
uh, came to me in 2019 and she said, Hey, Tracy, I think it's time. I want to bring vampires back. You want to help me? And I was like, again, paranormal reader that I am, you know, it, it's been years since paranormal was hot, right? You have a few big authors still publishing in it who I read voraciously, but in general, it just hasn't been hot. You just don't have, you just haven't had a lot in several, several years. Yeah. So I was like, if this means like, like bringing vampires back, if it means like paranormal is going to come back and I'm going to have all these cool new books to read. Well, yeah, anytime. <laughs> and, and anytime I get the chance to write paranormal, I pretty much jump at it. So I was like, absolutely. I want to do this. And so I just had to like kind of conquer my, my concern and my fear. And again, I was very lucky because I was with um, Liz and she, she definitely wasn't going to let me do anything, you know? that that she didn't think was my best work so um we uh <laughs> here we are uh, the first book came out in april 2020 and the sixth book and the last book in the series comes out in uh two weeks from today yeah. tomorrow yeah wow and so how do you feel about writing the at the end to a series that has been such a huge love and the fandom just loves the the, the crave series how does that feel for you oh. Thank you. It is bittersweet. I think, and I think it's so interesting because I think the book itself can be bittersweet. And I think that the reason for that is um, I had all the feelings right when I was writing it. Um, I'm excited to have completed the arc for these characters that I've grown to learn, you know, love so much, and um, excited to 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 finally get to to the end of the story or to the end of of this part of the story at the same time i've grown to love these characters a lot and i am i'm learning with them so much and i think that my i have the most incredible fans i really do i say that and i know that all authors say that but i mean it like and it's just true i mean i will tell you when i went to book signings when i when i was on tour i was on tour for three months over the over um 2022 i guess it was yeah and um, i would tell all of the books booksellers like i have the best fans and they would you know kind of nod at me and then at the end they'd be like you were right you have the best fans i'm like i know i just do i don't know what you want me to say and so uh the idea that um yeah that I don't know that you know we're all going to be moving on is is sad to me because I've I've come to love so many of the, of the people in my fandom and um yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna miss the crave series I am doing a spinoff so hopefully um we will all like that and enjoy the new characters that I'm I'm working on I'm very excited I'm writing the first book of the spinoff right now and um it's very different than um Catmere Academy uh which is you know the school that they go to in Crave. But uh, but I think it's going to be just as much fun in its own way. So hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> well, when we find an author that we love and adore, I, it becomes to a point where we're like, whatever you write, we're just going to continue to follow. So just keep doing you and we'll follow. So that's Aww. the thing that when we meet again, when we have someone in our lives, that's an author that does that. It doesn't matter. I mean, today you, when you want to do self-help. OK, great. Tracy will fry self-help. So we're buying it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, please. No, I, I can barely help myself. I definitely don't think I need to need to be offering tips to anybody else. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I am the, the thing that is exciting is I am starting a new series. I have a new um, series that starts actually in July called Starbringer, which is very mm -hmm. different. It's a new adult. So it's a little sexier than the YA um, set in out in outer space, um, outer, outer, outer space. So it's sci-fi and it's uh, it's seven misfits like stuck on this ship that's not doing what it, what it's supposed to do while the entire galaxy is trying to kill them 
we kind of call it Firefly Meets the Breakfast Club. Oh. <laughs> and uh, it's it's it was so much fun to write and and it was really fun to play with new characters, you know. It's really nice to the characters you know, but it's also fun to play with new ones and and do something new. So I'm very excited about that coming out in July. Wow. Firefly Meets the Breakfast Club. Hmm. Yes. Now That's I'm a... just gonna, now I'm just worried like I and, and the great thing is, right? The things you you love to do as an author, you get to take from series to series with you. Like I love to create ensemble casts. And I love, um, I love banter and I love building these like, hopefully really powerful romances. And, and you get to do that, you, you know, in whatever series you, you go on to, with, you know, so that's nice. Yeah, it is. And we love it when the characters, whether it's a spinoff series, we get to see them again, pop in and out. Or yeah. I know sometimes as authors, you guys will write continue to write in the same world, but then all of a sudden the kids that were teenagers and you finish that story all now all of a sudden are adults and we get to peek in like, whoa, what's, what are they like as an adult? Um, or even brand new series is always great. But I love that analogy of the, because those are also two huge fandoms <laughs> that um, thanks to social media and the pandemic has been getting new fans in there. So they'll have an idea more or less as to what all that's about. Um, Absolutely. So we'll see. Hopefully I'm like, you know, on tender hooks to see if people are going to like it. You know, when you start a new series, Oh yeah. Well, I, think that, I don't think that's even fair. I think whenever you put a new book out, I have, I've cherished, which is the last book in the series coming out in two weeks. And I am just as nervous. Like what if they hate it? What if, <laughs> what if they think I didn't do the characters justice when I ended the series? You know, of course you have all the worries. So, you know, I don't think it's just starting a new series. I think it just is writers are who we are. Yeah. But <laughs> I love that you guys still get nervous. And and are a little trepidatious when it comes down to the release because otherwise there's this other there's this otherness right when you either you don't care or you're so fucking conceited that you don't really care about anything else right it doesn't matter how the, it does you know, or the fandom or anything the fact that you're still nervous and excited is a good thing and we love seeing that too because we well, know that you care then well absolutely I care I care so much about doing right by the characters I care so much about about my fans you know um I think I would write I think even if I even if I never got published, because again, it's been a thing that I've kind of, it's just been a compulsion my entire life. But at the same time, I feel like there is absolutely, especially if you're writing in like popular fiction, right? There's a relationship between you and your characters and the reader. And of course, I, I think about my readers often and and hope that they like what, what I've done, especially people who are so invested in, in the characters that I've created. I feel very blessed to have them and course i worry oh my god what a thing <laughs> i'm sure they will love it i'm sure we all will um yeah. you being like one of the top five as far as like the publishing houses the, the big five as they used to call them i think there's still five mm -hmm. it, this industry keeps it used to be the big six and now it used to be the six six and five and i'm like wait who bought who what recently are they still you know yeah, it's, I, uh, it's like changes oh. every day right exactly that doesn't change at least some things are consistent in life <laughs> When it come, came down to having the your titles in audio, how is that different? Because, I mean, we we know a lot when it comes down to the indies because they have a lot more control over things. How does how does your book become into audio? Did, were you part of that process? Uh, same thing with casting it? I mean, it depends on like, what you're talking about. I have, I'd have to think for a second. I don't know. I, let's just say my number could be off a little in either direction. I have probably 20-some audiobooks at this point. Um. And I think that in every house that you're at, it kind of depends on how much interaction you have. And I think how successful 
the series is also helped in, in how much interaction or how much they, they ask you for. I will say that the people doing the audiobooks for Crave are incredibly, incredibly receptive. And they, they always ask, like they send me several, you know, narrators and um, what do you think of this narrator? What do you think of that narrator? I have the most, I have like such an incredible narrator in Heather Costa for Grace. She is just, I think she just does such an incredible job with her. And, and I'm really lucky that, that, you know, we found her, but um, in, in, in some of the other houses, it was just like, oh, we've sold you right into audiobooks. And then they send me the audiobook when it's done. Um, so it kind of just depends on the, uh, on the thing. I will say that, um, working with Entangled, I think that, um, again, Liz Peltier, the publisher, um, is very adamant about her writers being a little more involved. So even from the very beginning, I had a shake and dirty series with them many moons ago. And even then they would be like, Hey, here are some narrators. What do you think of them? So she's very, very good about making sure we at least have, uh, you know, some input into, into what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And especially because casting is so important. And I think sometimes um, the big five tends to forget that, that you also know your characters the best and having at least like, can you give me your top two and then I can at least decide or tell you, no, not them, please. (laughs) There's an accent that they're just not capturing correctly. But um, but I'm glad that you're happy with how the audiobooks have come through, because sometimes I know that, again, with not not much control, you're like, okay, as long as the fans love them, I'm good, right? Yeah, no, like I said, they've taken really good care of me. Um, And we've sold the new series into into, because they've done such, you know, such amazing work. They've, you know, the new series is there. And um, as will be the uh, the spinoff is, yeah, I'm really pleased with how they turned out. You know, the thing is, when they go to pick an audiobook narrator, this is the same thing when I get the question, like, if you're going to dream cast your book, I know a lot of authors have mood boards and, and they kind of set all that up and they have pictures of people and, and all that. And I don't because they, they kind of live in my head, right? So it kind of doesn't matter when any <laughs> audiobook narrator, they, they, they like, let's say they give me three or they give me five or whatever. And I listen and I'm like, well, they sound great, but no, that's not that's not Grace, that's not Hudson, that's not Jack, you know, that's just not them, um, because it's not the voice that I hear in my head. So, so I think, you know, I, especially the beginning, you have to get past that, you have to say, okay, who do I, who sounds like, like, like it could be, who sounds like somebody that I like, you know, and, uh, and then, like I said, with Heather Costa, now, however many books in, I'm like, yeah, she's totally Grace, did she sound like Grace when I first heard her, and, and my, no, that's not how Grace sounds in my head but yeah no now I love it you know so I think you have to always kind of step back from that too and just be aware because nobody actually exists who looks exactly like your character and sounds exactly like your character because they're in your head (laughs) yeah I think that that's the I sometimes when people are reading with their eyeballs and then they're like oh let's give this audiobook thing a try it, it puts them off a little bit sometimes because as we're reading with our eyeballs, we are hearing the heads and the characters based on what you as the author provide us as descriptions and things like that, plus our own interpretations. And then we're hearing and we're like, no, that's not how they sound. <laughs> and others are like, no, you sound way better than you did in my head. Keep going. <laughs> and so it works out. But Heather is fantastic. And she's actually doing solo narration for Cherish from what I'm seeing here in um, the pre-orders for your um for that last title so I'm what did excited. you say she's doing what for cherish um solo narration so she's doing it all by herself unless yeah, solo narration. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's always exciting too sometimes 
some listeners love the solos or they'll prefer the duels or the duet or the multicast. And, you know, there's no wrong way to do it, honestly. Well, I, I mean, to be fair, she's pretty much always done solo narration. We have at the end of each book, we have three chapters from the hero's point of view, two to three. And that's where like the last three, uh, or that's where the second narrator has come in. But the whole book is told in Grace's point of view. So she's always done that. The only one that's different is Charm, where I did alternating points of view between Grace and Hudson. And then we had two narrators who did, but she's always kind of done the whole book. Yeah. So. Yeah. I've eyeballed read these instead of uh, listened to them. But it's interesting though, too, because when that's happened sometimes where two narrators are listed and then one of them only does the epilogue or the prologue or like yeah, in your exactly case, the last like three that. chapters and you're going, wait, what? What happened? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Kind of wish that they would tell us that in the descriptions, but yeah. yeah. So one that, day yeah, audible, one I, day audible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's why I always refer to as like Heather as my narrator. Yeah. I know that we've had a couple different narrators for the guys, but um, mm-hmm. Heather's my main narrator. She's great. Yeah, no, she's awesome. One of the things I love to do with my guests is play the game of two truths and a lie, where you tell us three oh, nice. things about yourself and we have to figure out which one's the lie. Nice. Okay. Do you have your homework ready? Uh, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> well, if you're ready, whenever to tell us your, your three things, we'll go from there. My three truths or my two truths and my lie. I love to skydive. I... I'm obsessed with makeup and I have two little baby Yorkies that I adore. Wow. Okay. It's all in the details. I know you have dogs. I don't know if they're Yorkies or not. Ooh. And you are fabulous on point, by the way, with your fashion, your makeup. And I got to see that in person a few months ago. So I was like, okay. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, as, as someone that um, tries and not very, you know, I'm always the girl that just like, I'm comfy for things. Oh, I and... think you look great. I thought you looked amazing when we met. Thank you. I try. <laughs> amazing. Of course. Yeah. But I, I was like, just have to find their style. Yeah. But I saw you and I'm like, oh, that's kind of like what I want to do when I grow up. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was so on point. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, and, and totally. And your personality is just fantastic. If you guys have never met her in person, I highly suggest that you go to an event that she's uh, um, attending because it's just the energy and the brightness and the the that's just the complete like loveness kind of comes out, and you're just having a better day afterwards. So definitely, you oh, need that. you're so kind. Thank oh. you for saying that. Yeah, no, of course, it's important. I think to kind of let people know. Like, thank you for the energy. You know, it's 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 always in a, in a world where people can be bad um, and scary. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? I have I, no idea what you're yeah. talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to gravitate to the shinies. <laughs> so I'm like, ooh, you're, I love you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. you're so sweet. Well, okay. I love meeting you. I really yeah. did. You were fabulous. Thank I'm, you. I'm so, yeah. I'm so excited when you invited me to come on. I know. I was, yeah, I was like, okay, trust me. I went through a back and forth of, uh, of nerves not ever doubting of wanting to invite you just like no nah, she's gonna say no no maybe she'll say yes okay i'm just gonna send it okay and, then, and i'm like i hit send and i'm like checking my inbox i'm like when is she gonna reply but you're good so yeah i was like i don't think he likes me very much no it's just uh fun times you know how it is when it, you just imposter syndrome right we all have it We've oh, all been i there. still have it i was i was doing an interview the other day and somebody asked if i am um, 
still had imposter syndrome and I was like, oh my God, yes, yes, I do. I think we all do, you know, and I, I think women particularly suffer from it. Um, for some reason, it's like we don't want to acknowledge our worth, I think sometimes. And, um, but yeah, no, of course, I think that, I think that all writers suffer from imposter syndrome and I don't think it matters. Like, I mean, the idea that people want to read about what's in my head and the characters that I create, that, this thing I've been doing since I was like in second grade, that's amazing to me and it will always be amazing to me. Yeah, I know it's the same, similar to me when it comes down to stuff like that. I'm like, well, if you don't want to, whatever, fuck them. Um, <laughs> you know, at this point, after nine years of doing this, I'm like, you know what? I'm good. I'll find someone else. And I always do. So it's no worries there. But I'm still completely imposter and um, and nerves. But I was so excited when you had said yes. And then I'm like, yay, it's this time. We're going to hang out. So going back to this real quick, <laughs> skydiving. So jumping out of a perfectly well plane, uh, plane that works great. Obsessed with the makeup or the York, two baby Yorkies. I'm like skydiving is uh, the lie. You are correct. I do okay. not like skydiving at all. Have you ever <laughs> been skydiving? Yeah, I do not like it. <laughs> I got uh, roped into it and uh, once and I was like, this is why, why would anybody deliberately jump out of a perfectly good plane? Um, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Goodness gracious. I mean, like I got roped into going on Splash Mountain when I was in eighth grade because my guy best friend was also the one that I was crushing on. And that's the ride that he wanted to go on and said, let's go. I'm like, sure. Um, skydiving. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. No. So, uh, so yeah. Um, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's a story there. We'll talk about that over drinks at the next event that we're hanging out together. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but I do have two baby Yorkie. Like I've always, like, I've always had a dog. I always love dogs, but I've never had like tiny dogs before. And, um, they're my babies. Like, it's so strange. I could like, I just adore them. And it just feels different when you have these little doggies that you like, you know, cart around with you versus, you know, I've always had like big dogs, you know, German Shepherd, Standard Poodles, Huskies, and I've loved them all, but it's just different. But they also swear that they're little kids, like they're little, they're tiny, that they don't weigh 65 pounds like my pit mix does. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah. No, they were all lap dogs. Every single one I had it fell into my lap like it was a baby. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But um, when the little ones do it, though, it's just a little cuter. They're just so cute. <laughs> they're just so cute. Yeah. yeah. It's like they just perfectly fit. You know, it's like, mm, I get it. I get it. I understand. That's how, uh, I, that's how Atticus got me. He's a yeah. Chihuahua mix of so someone got rescued from Puerto Rico after some storms about three years Aww. ago. And uh, when PetSmart has a puppy adoptions and you're having a really shitty day, you're going, I'm going to go hang out with some puppies because, you know, that makes you feel better. And I was so not going to take anyone home because I do not need another dog. There was other stuff going on. But then I'm holding him, and of course, they're all so adorable and cute. But then he puts his two paws right up against my lip and gives me a kiss. And I'm like, fuck. What are you going to do with that? I mean, I you're not taking that home. I know, he can't. Like, yeah, I'm sure he looked back saying, suckers. Oh, I know. I think mine, mine do that now. They just look at me and they just mm -hmm. melt, you know? Yeah. Where mm -hmm. they whine if they know that I'm going somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the other day, I had to, last week, I had to go into San Antonio for an event. And um, my partner has this little suitcase that, that she's put together for me that has like all of the stuff that I need with my swag and like all of the things for the event, right? So, but anyway, he also knows because I was on tour for three months and I would be home for like a couple days. And then um, 
you know, leave again and then come home for a couple of days and be gone for three weeks again. And that went on for, like I said, for three months. Um, so he saw the suitcase and he was beside himself, just beside himself and just whined and cried for like the entire, I'm like, I swear to you, I will be back at like eight o'clock tonight. I promise. And he was just not having it. One of them. Yeah. Now I have a, a Yorkie too that I inherited from my mom when she passed and you know, when you're at the house, you're wearing your comfortable house clothes, right? But then you got to go outside in people in public. And so you change. And he's learned that when that outfit change happens, I'm leaving. You're going to leave. I know. And he looks at you with this betrayal and sadness. And he literally starts shaking now. And I'm like, listen, I, I know I'm a sucker for y'all, but I ain't stupid. You're fine. Stop it. <laughs> And he oh, looks yeah. at me and shakes. I'm like, no, I still got to go out. Trust me. I don't want a people, but I have to. Um, yeah. But yeah, they're smart doggies. It's cute. And of course, the makeup. Dude, what's your favorite uh, line? Do you have a favorite type uh, of makeup? My favorite line, I have I have a few, honestly. For a really long time, it was Mac. Um, but I'm also a huge Urban Decay fan. I actually also really, really like, um, my mind just went blank because she changed it. Uh, the Gaga Lady Gaga's makeup line is really good. Oh yeah, Haas was it? it Haas? Used, yeah, is it still Haas? Haas? I thought she, when she rebranded, she had changed the name. I kept wanting to say Haas. I yeah, really, like, she has like amazing eyeliners. Like really, like, it, it, it's like butter when it goes on. It's nice. Yeah, I got the lipstick of the when it first came out that she was doing a special. I think it was via Amazon. She was doing the lips glosses and the and the lip liners. And that's one of my things that I'm like, if anything, at least at the very minimum, I'm wearing lipstick. <laughs> if you see yeah, me and nothing right? else that's like Lipstick the, the mom yeah and uh <laughs> and so i grabbed it and oh my god it is so good it's so it's, good it's really it, good i really really like it i'm I gonna really have to try out the eyeliner now i'm gonna have to see if that works out i have ipsy so I, that's how i'm like okay well i'm gonna do this thing i'm gonna start getting a little bit more me and figure this stuff out might as well do like these the ipsy where they send you a bunch of different yeah, things of course and, you get the you know, big one i get like the big glam bag the one that has the like full-size products in it Yes, I so I thought I was upgrading, and it turned out I just added. So I get the baggies, the little ones where I get the trial sizes. Where when it comes down to going to convention, it's fantastic and traveling. And then yeah. I also get the full size ones too. So I try when I had to select products, I try to either that they match or align. Or if I got one first and they have it in the uh, larger size, I'll try to get that. But uh, but yeah, it's a uh, I have you know it's like oh every month. And at first I'm like hey, it won't be yeah it's it's a lot. <laughs> oh yeah, it's so fun yeah it's yeah. So fun. But at least I try. Oh, Huda, Huda Beauty. I love Huda Beauty too, which I, they've, I've, they've sent a couple products in the Ipsy Glam bag. But I think Huda Beauty has some just beautiful colors and um, her face care and stuff is really cool. Yeah, it, it's it's been good because especially with, as someone that I have like rosacea, so my skin sensitivity yeah. is really important and hypoallergenic just so not to aggravate it. So being able to try some of these newer products is is great to try that way, especially when you're you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm watching YouTube tutorials. I have friends that know how to do makeup and I'm like, what? What do you want to do? Which one goes first? Am I supposed to be moisturizing or the, or the, the serum? <laughs> They're like, do I need to write this down? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> and send me to me. But yeah, it's also one of these things too, when you go to conventions, you kind of get to try out a little bit of everything, right? Authors that you've yeah. never read before or, or genres that you were like, I don't know. And then you have that conversation with the author and you're like, oh yeah, mine. And then you get adopted. What's one of the one things that you love about going to the conferences and the signings? Oh, I'm, I'm one of those rare extroverted writers. So I have a lot of friends who go 
and they love to do it, but they also are like super drained. I just get more and more um, excited about being there. I love being able to interact with other writers. I love being able to interact with my fans. That will always be my my favorite thing about conferences. Yeah, I mean, what's not to love about a bunch of people who love books, romance right? books, right? Yeah. You get like a million book recommendations. So you come home uh, with like all loaded up with like what you, who you have to try, what you, you know, what you're going to read next. And that is, it's so much fun too, right? Or my favorite is when I meet someone that I've never read before, uh, would have probably never picked up for, you know, any reason, either from the genres to the the the, the subgenres and stuff like that. But then you meet them and you're like, oh my God, I love her. So it doesn't matter, I'm going to read it. And then you and you oh, find something new and you're like, yay. When I was in Denver where I met you, I met a couple authors, self-published authors who I'd never met before and never read before. And um, they were so sweet. They gave me um, one of their books and they are so good. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, just also being able to meet people who have read another author, like an author that you love, right? And then you get to like gush over them to people besides your family who look at you like, <laughs> are you going to stop talking yet? Like, yeah. do you really have to listen to more? Like, you know, these people don't actually exist, right, Mom? <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's really fun to have people, to, to meet people who, like, love the same books you love and just be able to just talk, 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 talk about them and not have everybody be like, um, okay, uh, are you taking me to practice or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, the energy there is stuff, and just be able to kind of allow yourself to be more you because yeah, of the topic. Yeah, you just right? You just fan over people who care and, you know, want to want a fan right back with you and about whatever series you love, you know? Yeah. And I also love how you guys, you know, regardless of the level that you're at, whether you're brand new or you've been writing for a while, or you've done this for years and eons. And when you still have that one author that you yourself love, you go right back to being a fangirl. And, oh, and, yeah, it, I, and I love it. it. Yeah. I love that scene. That. Um, like, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You totally fan over. Yeah. It's gross. <laughs> it's not gross. I love it. I've helped create some of those moments. And uh, because I love surprises and being able to make people happy. And to see that moment where you have to someone that is established or like I said, or a reader brand new to meet their, their someone that inspired them to start writing or, or their heroes and stuff like that. It's just, it's fantastic. And it's like, yay, see, they're just like the rest of us. <laughs> oh my gosh. My first RWA convention was oh, yeah. in Reno in 2005. It was when I had first decided that I was going to um, to write a romance novel. Um, we had just moved to Austin. My, you know, I left my husband in charge of my, my two children at that time. I didn't have my third yet. And, um, and went off, did not know anybody, did not know one person at RWA. Um, usually you go with like your chapters. I hadn't even joined my local chapter yet, so I didn't know anyone, but I just knew I really wanted to, to do this thing. I wanted to, to write a book and I wanted to write a romance novel. So I went off to Reno and that they had, um, Nora Roberts, who I've been reading since I was in like sixth grade, literally they had Nora Roberts doing one of the speeches. They had Susan Elizabeth Phillips, who at the time was another big author that I loved that I had grown up reading when I was young. You know, I think. I think very often the ones that they, they get you are the ones that you've been, who kind of made you want to write in the genre. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and I'm trying to remember who the third person was. Oh, it was one of my mother's favorite authors, um, Debbie Maycomer. And uh, I was just completely starstruck. And, and then I found out that they have these things that you go in and they'll sign books for you and you get to meet them. 
<laughs> and I was a huge Sherilyn Kenyon fan. Huge. Oh, love her. And this is just as she was exploding. Because, yep. you know, you can always tell, right? Because they have like the, author, you know, there's there, suddenly you have these authors who are like, you know, broken out on the sides or whatever. But um, she was still in like the big, you know, the regular one with everybody else. And you have this long line. I'm like, who's that line to? And there she was with the black swan on her head and all of that. And I um. I fangirled so hard. Like I waited in line, like, cause she talked to all of her fans. I waited in line like two and a half hours to talk to her. And I didn't even care. I ended up meeting um, one of my very good friends to this day. Um, in the, in that line who kind of filled me in on everything I needed to know about the conference in general in that two and a half hours. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> and then I was just like, Carolyn Kenyon, I love you so much. Oh, well, you want to talk about fangirling. I was at a readers and readers right before the pandemic readers and readers which is a thing that they do here fresh fiction does here in dallas and they had brought christine feehan in oh boy to, uh, to do the keynote and um i she had requested to sit at my table because we um we host tables at different times she'd hosted the night before or i don't know that that's what i was told that they might have just been like trying to make me feel good either way she was at my table <laughs> and I almost died. I, I didn't know what to do. I was just like, I love you so much. You are like the most amazing writer. I want to have your babies. Um, <laughs> I know you have a lot of babies, but if you want more, I will have them. Uh, <laughs> I love Christine Pan. Like, and like, you know, yeah, I like know. Just the, the monsters of, of paranormal romance. I still to this day will like, fangirl all over Nalini saying I just think she's amazing I just again I told you I'm a paranormal romance reader at heart right yep no and, no for sure ladies are the uh you know god the genesis of the genre right yeah I got to meet all three of them at the RT book lovers conventions do you remember those did you get to go to any of oh, those of course. yeah I went to several yeah, of them. yeah yeah so I got to meet them when they were attending and then you know so I totally understand that they're fantastic and total sweethearts too yeah it's great but I, uh, yeah, those are great stories. And they're so kind. They're 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 so kind and yeah. just really really wonderful. I know that I know that if I ever meet Patricia, you know, ever get to hang out with, I should say Patricia Briggs, I've met, but again, just like, can you sign this for me? Um, <laughs> but uh, if I ever get to hang out with Patricia Briggs, she's another one that I know I will just like fangirl all over. <laughs> yeah, and again, love those moments that when we have conferences or signings and we get to meet some of our favorites. And seeing that you guys also have favorites, like, yay, I love when that happens. It's great. You work with words all day long. What's your favorite word? Which is also a bit of difference. So it's not a curse word because that's the second part of this question. So what's your favorite word? Favorite word, not curse word? Yeah. Um, serendipity is one of my favorite words. And then what's your favorite curse word? Oh, fuck. Come on. Like, <laughs> I feel like fuck is just so unoriginal, but like it just, you can use it for so many things. And yeah. Then- yeah, it's multi well, Especially when you're writing sexy romance, you can use it for even more things. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I do. I just really like fuck. It's a great word. Yeah, great. What's but... your favorite curse word? Oh, uh, mm, I have a few. So depending, like if, if you know that I'm really upset at something or someone when I bust out with the C word, like cunt. Oh. I'm like, oh, it's a fucking cunt. Like that's like, damn, I'm like, ooh, let's take Vivi away from the scenario kind of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> But, but I, we need I, to get her away now. Yeah, mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, but I do love the word fuck because I can use it as a noun, pronoun, adjectives, you know, yeah, all this fun stuff. It's, it's 
yeah like he's writing thing and then there's sometimes i go like british i go bloody hell i do like bloody a lot i got that you know my hero and crave is british and yeah i uh really learned to embrace that the brits have some really amazing and interesting curses yes i spend entirely too much time online looking them up <laughs> when i when i write Heston and i am um, yeah i really yeah. enjoy them I know. Wanker is another one. Like, you're such a wanker. Wanker is a great one. <laughs> wanker is a great one. Tosser is another great one. I mean, it's the same as Wanker, but yeah. Um, yeah. They just have some really fun ones. And the Scottish are hysterical. Oh, goodness. Yeah. They're fun. It's always different, too, when it has a different language or dialect. Um, and then oh, creator, yeah. So. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. When they, well, you know, you hear your, the same words. I was just at a Lewis Capaldi concert. I guess it was only last week. Maybe it was two weeks ago. Anyway, very recently, I was just at a Lewis Capaldi concert here in austin and yeah he's just his scottish accent like so much fun so much fun to listen to yeah it's great i love it too especially when also bilingual comes into play oh and yeah yeah it's like when i was like oh what's another one <laughs> i'm sweet fangirl there. i'm like yay but yeah it's a good one and i love uh the but again fuck is a classic so you know can't go wrong with that one yeah but serendipitous is another good one too that i love it's a good word it just flows nicely and the meaning of course well, thank you, Tracy, for being part of this year's audiobook loving series. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank I just you. looked down and it was like an hour past. I know. That's why. I'm like, I could keep talking <laughs> to you forever, but yeah, you know, you have to go soon. So I'm going to take a, make sure that, uh, you know, I take, you know, value that. So um, everyone, thank you for hanging out with us today. And we hope you've enjoyed this chat as well as the series. Make sure to follow Tracy over at her social medias. I will be including all of those links in the main landing page over at the audiobook loving series page at Viviana Enchantress the Books. And until next time, happy listening. A special thank you to authors DJ Krimmer, Tana Stone, Landon Beach, PJ Fiala, and all of our sponsors of the audiobook loving 2023 series. Visit today's episode post to listen to sound clips of some of the books we discussed and enter the month-long giveaway. If you enjoyed the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast series and you want more, join the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast Patreon for early access to podcasts, exclusive content like the Would You Rather game and dinner party guests, and additional incentives such as bloopers, graphics, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobooklovin'. Thank you for joining Viviana and her guests for this podcast, and we hope you tune in again as we continue to celebrate Audiobook Month. The Audiobook Lovin' series is hosted by Viviana, the Enchantress of Books. Please make sure to visit the main page linked within the post to learn more about the entire Audiobook Lovin' series and the enchanting author and narrator guests who have joined us over the years. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving a review wherever you listened. And please follow us on social media platforms and subscribe to the Viviana the Enchantress of Books newsletter. Until next time, happy listening. Audiobook Lovin' hopes you have enjoyed this program.